0: So we are now live in the Miracle Morning community. If you're here watching, I'm here with the one and only, a living legend, Robert Kiyosaki. Robert, hey, thank
1: you for being here today. Thank you, John. I'm glad to be speaking to you, but also in behalf of hell.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate it. And I know that we just happened to catch you between meetings. And so this would just be a great way to bring you to his community through the podcast. You might be listening through the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Robert, for any of our audience who has not had the privilege of coming across you or your work, which it's hard for me to imagine many folks who haven't. But do you mind just taking us back to the beginning? What led to Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Whether it was what happened for you personally that led to that book. And maybe for our audience, if they for some reason aren't familiar with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, what's the essential lesson in that book, which eventually became you know an all-time classic?
1: Well, name is Kiyosaki. It sounds like Kawasaki, but it's not. I'm fourth generation Japanese American. I was raised in Hawaii. And the story of Rich Dad, Poor Dad is that my poor dad was head of education for Hawaii. He was a PhD, went to Stanford University of Chicago and Northwestern and University of Hawaii. But as you know, our school system teaches us nothing about money.
0: Hmm.
1: So that's why I call him my poor dad, highly educated, great guy, but poor. Mm-hmm. And not only mentally, but also financially and spiritually, because... He needed that paycheck at all costs, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So then my rich dad was my best friend's father. And so the way I met my rich dad was I was in the fourth grade in Hilo, Hawaii, a little sugar plantation town. And I raised my hand in the class and I asked my teacher, I said, when are we going to learn about money? And the teacher says, well, we don't teach you about money in school. Hmm. I said, why not? And The teacher said, because money is evil. We don't teach you about money. I said, well, maybe it's evil for you, but I want to know about money. You know, so I was nine years old. Yeah. And she persisted and, you know, it came up, the love of money is the root of all evil and all this stuff. And I said, I just really don't want to buy into that dogma. That's not my gig here. She says, well, you're supposed to come to school and get a job. I said, but isn't to get a job to make money? And she goes, yeah. I said, well, let me just bypass the job and go to making money. You know, that's how it started. So I went home and my dad, my poor dad said to me, he says, look, the government does not allow us to teach you about money at school, which was like, ding. My head went, hmm, wonder why that is. Mm. So it's one of those you know, questions you kind of tuck away in my psyche. But he says, you can talk to your best friend's father, your classmate's father, and he's an entrepreneur. And someday he'll be one of the richest men in Hawaii. So at nine years old, as Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the book starts off, I went over there and knocked on Rich Dad's door and I said, I wanted to be a student. You see, one of the highest levels of learning is apprenticeship. And unfortunately, we go to school and we learn from people who really have no idea what they're talking about. They're called school teachers. But because I was actually learning from somebody who actually practiced what they did, I got rich. You know, and Rich Dad very simply started me and his son teaching us to get rich playing the game of Monopoly. Mm -hmm. And we all know the formula for great wealth. It's four greenhouses, red hotel. That's it. So today I own thousands of greenhouses and red hotels and all that. I just play Monopoly in real life. And I still graduated from school. I have a Bachelor of Science degree from a very good school. But I learned nothing about money all the way through school. And then I went in for my MBA program and I fell asleep there too. So I realized I was really not meant, you know, schools for some people, but for a person like me, I just didn't learn well in school because I wasn't being taught what I was interested in. If you get my drift, like I had three years of calculus and to this day, I've never used one shred of calculus. You needed to create your own path. Right. So my study was, why don't they teach money at school? Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was a very interesting question. And what I found out, it's not a mistake. See, the whole academic system was designed to create people who would work for me, to be workers and employees, not entrepreneurs. And as you know, right now, young people are coming out of school, many deeply in debt, they can't find that job. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is the 20th anniversary this year, is more timely, especially for young people, who are still you know, drinking the Kool-Aid of going to school and getting a job. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad just rolls on.
0: Well, congrats on that. It's not often that we get to hear directly from someone who created what became a timeless classic and has changed financial literacy on a global scale. So it's amazing to hear you share your origin story. For any of our listeners who maybe they've read it, but maybe they didn't put it into action or they've never read it, what are maybe a couple of the essential core lessons that your rich dad taught you about money that were important and are still important today?
1: Well, you use this word called financial literacy. And that word is, I'd like to take credit for it because I kind of made it up back 20 years ago. I said, you know, you have word literacy, but you also have to have number literacy or money literacy. So I created the word financial literacy. And I was just reading The Week magazine. They said, oh, financial literacy. You know what they call financial literacy? This is a very big publication. Yeah. They called it Saving Money and Investing in a 401k. Mm. That is not financial literacy, sports fans. You know, that is really the most bad advice you can give, especially today. When you look at this, why would you save money? Because when I graduated from school in the 70s, the interest rates were 15%. So I put a million dollars in the bank in 1970. And I got $150,000 interest. Mm -hmm. today i put a million dollars in the bank i'm lucky i get ten thousand. that's how worthless your money is becoming because after 1971 they began printing money so when these guys tell me that saving money is a 401k i mean financial literacy is a 401k and saving money i just shake my head i said how in the world can you be so financially illiterate how can you be so illiterate think about this my friend donald trump I promise you, he doesn't have a 401k. So the question should be to any interested person, well, if Donald Trump doesn't have a 401k and he and I do not invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs, what do we invest in? Mm -hmm. That's really the question. So if you look behind me, this is a picture of my board game Cash Flow. Cash Flow is the only game that actually teaches financial literacy. And what is financial literacy from this cash flow board game is there are three financial statements that every entrepreneur must have. And those three statements are first an income statement, a balance sheet, and a statement of cash flow. It's inside Rich Dad Poor Dad and most of my books. And what most financial illiterate people think, oh, I have a FICO score of 700. What does a FICO score tell you? Nothing. So when I go to see my banker, my banker doesn't ask me for my report card or my FICO score. My banker wants to see my financial statement, income statement, Mm -hmm. balance sheet, statement of cash flow. There's a lot of financial statements. Those are the three basics. And cash flow is the only game that taught that. Mm -hmm. So I meet people who are still programmed by the academic system of their mother and father, and they're still saving money, and they still have a 401k, and they're investing for the long term in the most biggest bull market in the history of the world that's illiterate so that's why i continue on a complete i be very controversial and not very polite but i'm concerned about most especially your generation's future my generation the baby boom generation we had it really easy when i graduated from school there was lots of jobs high paying jobs you know the stock market was just taking off you put 100,000 in the stock market you're a millionaire You bought a house, you became a millionaire. The baby boomers had it really easy. Then in the year 2000, it all ended. The sleigh ride ended. And then the Federal Reserve and the Treasury started printing money to keep us afloat, to bail the rich out. The most corrupt people are our bankers. And we bail them out. And who pays the price? Young people. People who actually went to school to get a job. They're paying that price today. So that's why President Trump and I get together and we talk and we write and all this. But the average person still thinks saving money and investing for the long-term in a 401k, IRA, Roth IRA is literate, it's illiterate. That's the difference.
0: So Robert, if someone's listening right now, where would you send them to get started? What would be steps one, two, and three? Let's say step one is read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What might be the first few steps after that for somebody I would to...
1: play a cash flow game at least 100 mm-hmm. times. That's all there, you just gave us the next 100 steps. Perfect. That's all. No, it's, that's not. It's what I do uh, every day, John. It's, I wonderful. Do every single day, I'm not looking for a job. Yeah. I don't need a job. I don't want a job. I don't want an ETF. I don't want a mutual fund. All I'm doing is playing Shark Tank. I'm just looking for deals. Mm-hmm. That's all I do. Mm-hmm. And I pay no taxes on top of it. And I use 100% debt. So when you think about this, you know, President Trump won't show his tax returns because he doesn't pay taxes. The question is, how in the world does he not pay taxes? If I was a young person today, I'd say, how in the world does a guy like Trump, was also Mitt Romney, not pay taxes? You see, real financial education is about how he used debt to acquire assets and how you and debt will allow you to pay no taxes. So I meet somebody of your age said, so well, I don't have any money. It's because you don't have any financial education. You're not supposed to have your own money. You're supposed to use the bank's money.
0: Well, I agree with the statement that schools, for the most part, are not doing a lot to educate on financial literacy. And what you've done, you've filled a gap for the world. And that's really impressive. I want to ask you a question, Robert, unrelated to the financial literacy training. It's a story that I heard from Blair And the lesson within the story that he shared with me, and for those that don't know, Blair Singer is a mutual acquaintance. Blair was a friend of Robert's going back. He's one of my advisors. He's the one
1: that teaches my teachers.
0: He teaches your teachers. So I learned from Blair about teaching and training trainers 10 years ago. And during that training, Robert, he shared a story. Now it was in private, but it was the kind of story that you wouldn't mind me sharing this. And I say that, we'll find out. But he shared a story where one of the things that he admired was early on in your life. So what I'm really asking you about here is not anything specific about financial literacy, but the sense of mission that you've been on for a long time. Because he shared a story about one of the first seminars that you and he were running together. I think it was on one of the islands in Hawaii where like nobody showed up. It was that kind of thing. And I think he talked about how really early on in your career, but way before there was the book, way before there was Robert Kiyosaki, who everybody knows, you were on a mission years before people heard about that. I want to know, in your life, what did a sense of mission or purpose have even long before we knew who you were or what you were teaching?
1: That's a good question because that's where Hal Elrod comes in. Because this book, Miracle Morning, really helped strengthen my mission on a daily basis because hmm. it's a spiritual mission. But my sense of mission started when I left. I flunked out of high school so many times because I can't read and write. But I have high, very high SAT scores. So it's ironic that I can't read and write, and all I do is I write. So it's the paradox of life. But the school I went to, I got two nominations, one to the U.S. Naval Academy at Annapolis, Maryland, and the other one is U.S. Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point, New York. Both schools are military schools. Both schools, the first word they teach you is mission. What is your mission? Mission is spiritual. And these are the words of mission. First word is mission, courage, duty, honor code, respect, those are words not taught in the MBA program. That's why we have such corruption rampant throughout the world today. You know, President Obama and Hillary Clinton are two of the more corrupt leaders we've had in a long time, but nobody calls them on it because they can get away with it. And if you don't believe me, there's a book out called Lucifer's Bankers. It's called Lucifer's Bankers. I would read it because this guy names names. Because this guy was a banker with UBS, United Bank of Switzerland, in Geneva. Mm -hmm. How he dealt with Hillary as well as Obama, taking billions of dollars. So once you understand how corrupt our system is, simply because we have no financial education in our schools, that's how I found my mission. I said, now that I'm through, I was a pilot in Vietnam, got a little tired of killing people. But when I came back, I said, now what's my next mission? So the military school drums it in their heads from day one, and I mean day one, not even the first day, within the first hour, we're required to memorize the mission. Once again, mission is from your heart. The word courage comes from the word le coeur, French for the heart. Courage comes from your heart. And then it comes duty, honor, code, respect. And it's drummed into my head. So when I graduated from the academy in four years, I had my high-paying job because I'm a merchant marine, and I was got a job with Standard Oil of California. We're making about a hundred thousand a year back in nineteen sixty-nine, which is not much money today, but a lot of money back then for a young twenty-one-year-old kid. And the sense of mission still came to me, and I, so I resigned from my high-paying job and I took a two hundred dollars a month job with the U.S. Marine Corps flying in Vietnam. So that's why. Mission is spiritual. Again, that's why I want to give Hal Elrod credit because his book, Miracle Morning, has really helped me strengthen my spiritual sensibilities, should I say, or literacy, spiritual literacy.
0: Yeah, it's helped a lot of people. That's a fantastic book. Thank you for sharing that story. Maybe one or two simple questions for you here, Robert. And thank you again for the time today. You know, your sense of mission led you to Getting your wisdom out to the world through your book, through your board games, through all of your different ways of teaching, kind of pre-internet. And now here you are after the internet is here to make it possible to get ideas out much more easily than when you started. As someone who in your career has had a chance to become a thought leader before you had the benefit of all these digital tools like this right now, we're streaming into a community of X 10,000 people, right? when you look today at what technology enables us to do in the connectedness that it creates, because I know a lot of this audience are either thought leaders or aspiring thought leaders, Josh Shipp inspired this question. You just posted it on the live stream. So I wanted to honor it. Is there anything that you would do differently? Or when you look at, if you were launching Rich Dad, Poor Dad today, have you ever thought about how you would approach that that could be different from what you did years ago when we didn't have all of these tools to help spread ideas?
1: Not really. Nothing? Mission has nothing to do with the web. It's spiritual. If you understand that, that's one of the challenges I have when I talk to young, especially millennials. Yes. A lot of them I think friends. they're smarter than the older guys like me because they're tech savvy. But mm-hmm. you still have a lot to learn. And one of the reasons I sense many millennials are lost is because they're looking for money Versus asking themselves, what's my mission in life? What am I here to do? What's my life's purpose? Mm. I was very fortunate that since I was, let's say, 18, mission has become part of my life. Not religion. Nothing wrong with religion. I just neither politics. I stay away from that stuff. But once I understood the power of mission and flying in Vietnam and killing people and people trying to kill me, you understand the power of spirit. I went down three times in Vietnam and I'm alive today because something else took over the aircraft. And most people have no idea because it's so chicken. You know, they're afraid of asking for a raise. They want to do this. They lose their sense of mission. So what? You know, it came down as a young pilot. I was 20 something years old. If I died, I didn't really care if I died, but I had a crew to bring home alive. You know, when you dedicate your life to something else or somebody else, you find your mission. Unfortunately, most people leave school. The only mission is to find a high-paying job. Mm-hmm. You may as well be a prostitute. You know, I mean, that's what happens to people. So they get this high-paying job and their soul dies. They sell their soul for money. And that's why I speak and I write and I do what I say. But unfortunately, most young people have lost their soul because they want the money.
0: Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that. Last question for you here. When you look forward into the future, when you look at your mission and the impact that you want to continue to make, what kind of visions or images give you the greatest sense of purpose or mission or energy?
1: I don't really know. I mean, I just, look, as I said to you, when I was nine years old, I raised my hand. and I said, why don't we teach money at school? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it at the time. I was only nine years old. But that was kind of my question. It became my study. Yeah. And I'm not saying everybody should study money. But everybody should have a study. And oftentimes, what is taught in school is not your individual study. So I was talking to this person the other day on my Rich Dad radio. And she was trying to figure out how to ask for a raise. And I said, well, why don't you study how to negotiate? No, I just want the raise. I have no time for those people. Look, if she studied how to negotiate, she might not need a raise. Mm-hmm. But people are so effing desperate for money these days. Desperate, desperate, desperate. And there's more money than ever before. So if you don't have money, then you're doing something spiritually wrong. That's how I look at it. Because, you know, that I didn't do well in Sunday school either. But, you know, the thing is give and you shall receive. So what the technology is allowing people to do is making it easier for people to give. But unfortunately most people leave school wanting to receive. They're called school teachers. They want higher pay. They want less work. They want job security. They want a pension. They want a guarantee. What happened to our soul? What happened to our spirit? And that's why you know I question what our school system's doing. Most school teachers are about I would say 74% are good people. The rest are criminals. You know, they're just there for the money. <laughs> and they don't care what they teach. So,
0: Rod, I want to honor one of our viewers right now, David Osborne from GoBundance. I know they're a fan of yours. You spoke right. to them a few the years great, ago. Great,
1: great, great group.
0: They are a great group. And David uh, posed That's the question. That's where I met Hal. <laughs> That's where you met Hal. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. They just posed a great question, I thought, which was, what does the economy look like for the next four years with President Trump? What's your perspective on that?
1: Well, I'm going to get richer. I don't know about the rest of everybody else to be a punk I'll just say that that woman on my Rich Dad radio show called in and her question was how do I ask for a raise and I was interviewing this guy named Voss who was an FBI terrorist negotiator and we all deal with terrorists every day in business I said just read his book and she didn't want to read his book she wanted just to be told how to ask for a raise hmm and so what I basically said, if you invested in your brain, you actually studied, you know, what this lead negotiator for the FBI was teaching her, she might not need a raise, she might not need money. Mm. So it's a long way of saying the people that are going to be the biggest losers are, you know, if you're a criminal, you're still you're already a loser. You know, there's a lot of criminals, a lot of people. I know a lot of men and women who marry for money. To me, that's criminal. You know, you sell sex for money. You know, it's legal. But a lot of people are going to fall behind because they think going to school is all you need to do. The reason GoBundance is great and what you guys are great it is lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. What I suggest for everybody is finding a group that fits you, be it Hal's group or GoBundance, and hang out with people that are committed to lifelong learning because that's what it's going to take. Now, the people say, well, I went to college. I don't need to study anymore. I really don't have time to try and talk to them about the economy because the economy is going to pass them by. The economy is just moving as it's going to move. It's like the train going from Los Angeles to San Francisco to New York. It's just this train moving. You're either on it or you're off of it. And so the people who have stopped learning or just go back to college and want another college degree to so get a high-paying job, I'll pray for you tonight. But there's a different type of learning, and there isn't Go abundance and what hell teaches, is more spiritual learning, spiritual literacy. You' really got to know what your soul and your spirit want to do and follow your soul. That's all I do. I don't really need any more money. I'm not teaching because I need any more money. I teach because my spirit needs to teach. And my soul, I am like my poor dad, I'm a teacher. I just refuse to be a school teacher inside the criminal system of public education.
0: Maybe we did get them a few copies of your board game.
1: There's no hope for them.
0: (laughs) Robert, as a lifelong learner yourself, could you share with us maybe who two or three of your greatest influences have been and maybe what's a core lesson that you've gotten from each of them? Well, the most important thing is apprenticeship.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, is that, again, I'm not real religious, and I did flunk out of Sunday school also. But when I studied and I'm not Mormon or Muslim or Buddhist and all that. I just like religion as a lesson. But the story of the three wise men, there were wise men because they were seeking the next teacher. In this case, it was Christ. And so the point is, wise men are still seeking the next teacher. That's why Donald Trump was a friend of mine. He had the The Apprentice. The biggest lesson I learned, you better choose your teachers wisely. Mm -hmm. Because they're missing the most important part of you, which is your spirit. When I flunked out of school twice because I can't write, teacher says, well, you'll never make it in college. Well, I got thrown out of school because I said some choice words to those teachers. I said, how dare you tell me I'm going to be a failure? So my father stepped in and was head of education. He fired him. Hmm. He says, how dare you say that you kill a child's spirit? So that's why I'm saying for people of the millennial generation, anytime, always seek the wisest teachers. Wise men still seek the next teacher. It's called an apprentice. You want to find out who they are? They're not in the school system, I promise you. They're not in school for anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur. The school system is designed to teach people to be doctors, lawyers, and employees. Okay, Find, choose your teachers wisely. I'm not a teacher for most people. You know, I'm a person who disturbs people and encourages them to go seek what they need to learn. What is your core spiritual study? Mm -hmm. Like my sister is a student of His Holiness the Dalai Lama. She is poor as a church mouse. You know, I don't understand it, but that's what he teaches. Now, you want to be poor as a church mouse? Go study with the Dalai Lama. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't want to study with him. <laughs> Good man, but I don't want to study with him. I like uh-huh. studying with Trump because I want to be a rich like him.
0: There you go. That's great, right. Robert, you've mentioned several times in this conversation. I, I have
1: to run, so I apologize. The last oh, you question. do?
0: Yeah. Oh, last question. Okay, great. You've mentioned several times you're a big fan of the Miracle Morning. In closing, in what way has that had an impact on you or anything specific you do in your Miracle Morning ritual that we might find interesting or inspiring?
1: Well, it disconnected me from me. Every morning when I do miracle morning, I would say five out of seven mornings. Mm -hmm. But what it does is it disconnects me and my brain and gets me in touch with my spirit. When I touch my spirit in that morning, you know, I read a lot of financial books, but in the morning I read no financial books. I read spiritual books, I meditate, I do my writing as Hal says, I do my exercise but it gets me in touch with my spirit. And from my spirit, I get answers I did not have 10 minutes earlier. So new inspiration. Every miracle morning brings me new inspiration. So thank you.
0: Robert Kiyosaki, thank you. It was an honor and a privilege. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Keep up the connecting. good
1: work. All of you, keep up the good work. Okay. Thank you, Robert. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.